welcome to the Gathering Church Podcast. We are so glad you're joining us today. For more info about The Gathering, you can check out thegathering.online. Thanks for checking out the podcast. Here's today's message. Good morning again. We're glad that you're here. Hope you've enjoyed this week the air conditioning. Hope your air conditioning works because it has been so hot out there. I know some people love how hot it is. Some people are like me, and I'm going to say this. You might boo me. You might throw something at me, but I'm ready for fall. I'm just going to say it. I know it's not even July. Uh, okay, all right, great. But uh, my goodness, I know we still have a long way to go, um, and it's okay. It's okay. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me, but it's just been a little hot. It's just been a little hot. And uh, anyways, today we're going to continue our sermon series that began a few weeks ago. Pastor Dave was here uh, first week of June, and then I preached about it the week after that. And uh, we've been on a sermon series called I've Seen a Ghost. I've Seen a Ghost. If you remember that week I preached on it, I asked if there was anybody that liked scary movies in the, in the room. And there were a few disturbed individuals that raised their hand and said, yes, I enjoy being scared. Um, typically in those movies, you know, someone sees a ghost or an alien You think of the movie, I think it's uh, The Sixth Sense, the the child says, I see dead people. You know, and these people that have these experiences, they're they're never for the better after that, right? They're kind of freaked out. They don't know what to do. But thankfully, the Holy Spirit, uh, he is here to comfort us. And whether you realize it or not, you have seen a ghost. You've seen the Holy Spirit at work in your lives. We've seen the Holy Spirit. Remember, through salvation, the Spirit is with us. We have access to the Holy Spirit, and then through the baptism in the Spirit, the Spirit is upon us. And two weeks ago, we had a response time, and we prayed for people, and I think we had four or five people get baptized in the Holy Spirit. Someone say amen. Praise God, right? We had some other people praying, and I believe there's going to be a time where they are filled with the Spirit as well. And um, today at the end of service, we're going to take some time just to give people a moment, see if There's more people that are going to be filled with the Holy Spirit and and their prayer language with God. But um, today we're we're going to be looking at the supernatural part of the baptism in the Holy Spirit. And, uh, you know, sometimes we get caught up in the supernatural, right? We think of the weird stuff, the prophecies and and the speaking in tongues. But the point of the Holy Spirit is to benefit us in our walk with Christ. First and foremost, before we get into all the weird stuff, uh, let's think of it first. That is our our main point, our benefits from the Holy Spirit. And we looked at Acts chapter 4 last time. We're going to continue in the book of Acts, and we're going to go to Acts chapter 10 today. The title of today's message is The Gift versus the Myth. The Gift of the Holy Spirit versus the Myth of the Holy Spirit. This can be kind of a, a polarizing topic. It's a lot easier to just shy away from it. Let's talk about something else, but, but there's a benefit here. There, there's a reason. There's actually a lot of false teachings. But we're going to look at what the Bible says, what the Bible says about the Holy Spirit as we dig into Acts chapter 10. If, if you know Acts chapter 10 and 11, it's kind of the turning point in the book of Acts. Because prior to this, we, we've had the Great Commission... Jesus sends out the disciples, say, go into all the world, preach the gospel, and then there's the day of Pentecost, and people are filled with the Holy Spirit, and then, as there always seems to be, when God moves, the enemy moves to try to attack it and and stop it, and a religious spirit begins to rise up, and those that are preaching, and they're doing signs and wonders through the Holy Spirit, and there was one man named Stephen. Maybe you know the story of Stephen. He He was arrested And in Acts chapter 7, he was speaking against the men of religion. 
and trying to explain to them what was happening, and they became enraged. And they, they ran at him to, to hurt him, to, to stone him to death. And it says in verse 55, it says, But he, meaning Stephen, he was full of the Holy Spirit. And he gazed into heaven and saw the glory of God and Jesus standing at the right hand of the Father. It's a credible, an incredible moment of faith. And I always have this picture in my head of him kind of kneeling down. I don't know if this is how it happened, of course, but uh, him kneeling down and gazing to heaven, and in the background, these men rushing towards him. It always kind of gives me chills of this thought that someone would be so focused, so caught up on God, that they didn't care what was going to happen to him. And unfortunately, Stephen was dragged away. He was stoned to death for what he believed. And fear began to, to rise in the apostles' ranks and the disciples, and they continued to preach, but it wasn't in the open air. It wasn't in multitudes and big crowds, but instead in homes. And, and so that's where we find ourselves now in Acts chapter 10. This chapter, it's a bit long. We're going to read some of it. We're going to paraphrase other parts, but we're going to continue to follow the story of Peter, Pentecostal Peter from Acts 4 to Acts 10. Some men are coming to find Peter, and uh, while they're on their way, Peter is having a vision He's having a dream from God, but he's also hungry. And so we're going to find Peter here in verse 9 of chapter 10. Here's where we start. It says, The next day, as they were on their journey and approaching the city, Peter went up on the housetop about the sixth hour to pray, and he became hungry and wanted something to eat. But while they were preparing it, he fell into a trance and saw the heavens opened and something like a great sheet descending. Bring, let it, being let it down, what did I say up there? Did I do a typo? Being let down by its four corners upon the earth. In it were all kinds of animals and reptiles and birds of the air. And there came a voice to him, rise, Peter, kill and eat. But Peter said, by no means, Lord, for I have never eaten anything that is common or unclean. And the voice came to him again a second time, what God has made clean do not call common. This happened three times, and then the thing was taken up at once to heaven. All right, so there's these men that are on their way to find Peter. Meanwhile, Peter is up on a roof house, on a, you know, a rooftop patio, and he's just praying. And, and it says he became hungry. And I don't know about you, but I don't think I've ever related to anything more in the scriptures than Peter in this moment. Trying to pursue God. I'm, I'm, I'm here focused on you, but I also smell something good downstairs. And I'm trying to focus on you, God. I'm thankful. I'm thankful that when we begin to pray, you know, God still shows up even when we're hungry, even when we're distracted. Right? We have a desire to pray, but then our mind goes all over the place. We open up the Word of God, but our phone's right there. It's like, I haven't done Wordle yet today. Maybe I should, I don't know which one I should do here. You know, we, we can get so easily sidetracked from what God wants us to do. But I encourage you in your life, when you find moments like that, maybe you're too holy, maybe once you're focused on God, nothing stops you, nothing prevents you. But for me, I know I'm thankful that God continues to speak through me and gives me grace. And he gives grace to Peter in this moment. He says, all right, you're hungry, Peter. I'm trying to talk to you. I will explain this to you through your hunger. I'll talk about food for you. And, and he, he says, he shows this kind of variety of a, of a buffet in front of Peter, right? He says, go ahead, eat it. And, and Peter says, no, I, I, can't, I can't eat this. I, I'm not allowed to have this. And he's saying this because he's going back to the Old Testament commands and rules, 
There were a lot of rules what you could or could not eat. Uh, it had to be cooked a specific way. But God says, no, I've made it clean. So now you can eat this. You can have the bacon now. It's okay. You know, you can eat your lobster tail. You can eat your gumbo shrimp, whatever you want, right? Um, if you love eating ocean bugs, it's there for you now, right? I'm just kidding. If you love it, it's fine. It's good. But, but so there's a point here that I, I promise I'm getting to this point. But he's having this weird dream, right? And three times this happened. God brings him the food. Peter says, no, I cannot have it. And then let's read on, verse 19 and 20. And while Peter was pondering the vision, the Spirit said to him, Behold, three men are looking for you. Here's where I have a typo. This is my fault. It should say, rise and go down. God does own, but that's not what that's supposed to say. Rise and go down and accompany them without hesitation, for I have sent them. It specifically says the Spirit said to Peter. Did you catch that? The Spirit said. The Spirit said to Peter. Last time we talked about how the Holy Spirit, he gives us the words to say, and he gives us the boldness to speak. This time he doesn't give Peter the words, but instead he gives him direction and guidance. Our first point this morning, and when we're filled with the Spirit, we are filled with the Spirit to be super at natural things. The whole point of the Spirit is to make our lives supernatural. Supernatural. You know, a lot of times when we think of supernatural, we think weird we think psychic, we think paranormal. Maybe if, if you love 90s Christian music, you think of a DC talk song. Our mind goes all over the place, right? When we hear that word supernatural, but it means being filled with the Spirit, not to make us a weird person, but to be super at natural things, to make you super in how you love people, to make you super, to heighten your wisdom in situations to increase your ability to comfort people and know how to pray for them. It's to create a surge in you of hearing and obeying the voice of God. And I think right now, we have to be people that are ready to increase our love for people and wisdom in situations. Amen. I don't know if you've been reading the news recently, but our country's kind of got crazy recently. And there was some good news that came out, and I'm thankful that there was a decision to protect the life of the innocent. I'm thankful for that. But listen, church, we are not to be people of condemnation or gloating, not condemnation, compassion from the womb throughout their lives. Life starts in the beginning of the womb. It doesn't end there, though. We have to be people of compassion. We need right now, more than any time, the power of the Holy Spirit and the love of the Holy Spirit speaking through us. The Bible says perfect love casts out fear. There's a lot of fear right now. You are to be filled to be super at natural things. If I think of myself in the natural, I think I could be timid. I might be unwilling to speak up, but the Holy Spirit gives me the words and the boldness. In the natural, I might feel anxious, but the Holy Spirit can give me the peace that surpasses all understanding. In the natural, you want to kind of lose your temper sometimes, right? You want to lose your patience. When someone cuts you off in traffic, you want, to, you want to speak in other tongues, right? But through God, through the Holy Spirit, you instead have control and patience. The Holy Spirit doesn't fill you to do weird things. He fills you to do natural things with a supernatural ability. 
Peter is given supernatural guidance and peace in this moment. And you might think, well, why, why does Peter need peace? You know, there's just these guys coming to see him. I'm sure it's fine. Remember, I told you, this is a moment where Stephen has just been stoned to death. Disciples are not safe. They could be coming to drag him away, taking him to prison or something. And not only that, but when Peter gets to the door, I don't think he expected to find not just three men, three Gentiles coming to him. Three Gentiles. You know, before, to this moment, Peter has been generally preaching to Jews. Pentecost, all those situations, it was mainly Jews that were gathered because Jews and Gentiles did not get along. They, they didn't trust each other. And so Peter comes to the door and finds what I assume he wasn't expecting to see in three Gentile men, but they assure him. They say, no, we, we are here on behalf of a man named Cornelius, and he is a God-fearing man. So Peter agrees, and, and the next day he goes with them. And Cornelius and Peter, they, they meet, and Cornelius explains to Peter that he has been praying for four days. God told him to bring Peter to the house. Let me show you what exactly Cornelius says. Read verse 33. Cornelius says, So I sent for you at once, and you have been kind enough to come. Now therefore, we are all here in the presence of God to hear all that you have been commanded by the Lord. Cornelius not only recruits Peter, but it would appear that he's kind of assembled a group of people in his house to hear the word of the Lord. And, and I don't know how many people there were. I tried to look through commentaries. It doesn't seem to know. I would guess we're looking at their entire family, which can be a good number of people, and maybe some close friends. So I'm guessing, I'm speculating here, maybe 20 to 40 people in this room. And how I picture it is Peter comes in and he sees Cornelius, he's talking to Cornelius, he looks over all these people and they're all just kind of staring at him, eagerly waiting, they're hungry to know what the word of God has for them. And this is what Peter says next. These, this next two verses, these are the keys to this passage. Read this with me, 34 and 35. It says, so Peter opened his mouth and said, truly I understand that God shows no partiality. But in every nation, anyone who fears him and does what is right is acceptable to him. So Peter says in front of this whole room, because now he understands the meaning of his dream. And the whole theme of this chapter is that recognizing that God is impartial. He desires all people Regardless of their background, he, he desires to accept all people. And remember in the dream, God says, do not call common what I have called clean. God uses food as a metaphor to Peter for taking the gospel from the Jews to the Gentiles. He says, I have made clean both the Jews and the Gentiles through the sacrifice of my son Jesus on the cross through his resurrection. Now anyone... Anyone can now have a relationship with the Father. I want, to, I want to make sure you understand how incredibly new this concept was at the time, okay? The Jews and the Gentiles hated each other. Hated each other. Let me give you some examples of the malice between them. It was normal for a Jewish man to get up in the morning 
and pray to God thanking him that he wasn't a Gentile. It was common in the law that a Jew was to never help a Gentile. Don't, don't give them directions where to go. It was even so, so incredibly strong and potent that they would say, if a woman, a Gentile woman is giving birth alongside the road, don't help them because you're helping bring another Gentile into the world. If a Jew were to marry a Gentile, oh my goodness, they would have a funeral for that Jew and consider them dead to them from now on. This is not a sports rivalry, people. This is pure hatred, a lack of tolerance for someone that doesn't look like you. And right now, right here, because of Jesus, one man came to earth and instructed and demonstrated that all people are made in the image of God, all people are created equal, all people have access to the Father through Jesus. And somebody should be thanking God right now, because guess what? We're all Gentiles. If you're not a Jew, you're a Gentile. And now we have the same access to God through Jesus. We now have the same access because Christianity was actually the first religion to break down racial, cultural, and national limitations. And Peter knows all about this barrier. And now he's in a room full of Gentiles. And he says, I get it now. I, I see that God is, is showing me he is impartial and unbiased. So Peter begins to preach to the house. And this is what he says in this group of Gentiles. He says in verse 36, As for the word that he sent to Israel, preaching good news of peace through Jesus Christ, he is Lord of all. You yourselves know what happened throughout all Judea, beginning from Galilee, after the baptism that John proclaimed how God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and with power. He went about doing good and healing all who were oppressed by the devil, for God was with him. So Peter begins preaching in Cornelius' household, and he's explaining how God sent Jesus, and he anointed Jesus with the Holy Spirit and with power. Peter explains that first Jesus was baptized and anointed with the Holy Spirit and with power. And then he went about doing good. Our second point for why we are filled with the Holy Spirit. Number two, we are filled with the Spirit simply to be more like Jesus. Why do we want to be filled with the Spirit? If for no other reason, we want to be more like Jesus. My hope is to every day take a step towards being more like Jesus. If I do anything right in my day, there's a lot of things I don't do right, but if I do anything right in a day, can it be that I become more like Jesus? Because whoever you look up to in life, whoever you follow after, you typically become them, right? I remember as a kid, you know, maybe you, you looked up to a celebrity, an actor or, or an athlete. As a kid, I I looked up to basketball players. I love basketball. I wanted to be better at basketball. And I always, you know, who you look up to, you want to look like them. You want to talk like them. You want to act like them, right? You want to embody yourself in what they do. And so I would look at basketball players. I'd go online and I'd say, okay, who is this basketball player? Who is he repping? What brand does he have? You know, they would sign endorsements and, and deals and all those things. And back then, Allen Iverson was a great player, right? And he was signed with Reebok. He had a really popular Reebok shoe. 
I think of Tracy McGrady, the T-Max. He had a really popular shoe with Adidas. And then there's this young up-and-coming player when I was about 12 years old. His name was LeBron James. And I was like, I want to be like him. I bet if I get his shoes, I can jump like him and dunk. And that's what I want to do. I didn't realize there's a lot more into like, the ability to dunk and like, jump and get your vertical up. But if I could at least get the shoes... And I got the LeBron James two or three or whatever, and I tried to wear whatever they had, you know, their, their headbands, their wristbands, all those things now that you look back and like, why did I do that? That was so dumb, you know? But then it seemed like I wanted to be like them. But when I got older, I realized, you know, that's great that that person is talented, he's athletic, but I don't know that I necessarily want to be like them in every part of my life. I think I'd rather be like the most iconic, you know, most heroic, the most miraculous, most powerful person on the earth. I think I actually want to be more like Jesus in my life. And so if Jesus received the Holy Spirit, I think I want to too. If Jesus was baptized in water, I think I want to do that too. If Jesus demonstrated humility and he had a servant-hearted mindset, I think that's how I want to be too. Is, is it just me? Anybody else want to be like that? You know, we want to be more like Jesus. And so if we're following him, we want to follow the Holy Spirit. God gave Jesus the Holy Spirit and power in order for him to do good. If Jesus needed the power of the Holy Spirit to do good and perform miracles, how much more do we? Sometimes people say, you know, well, okay, do I need the Holy Spirit to get to heaven? You need the Holy Spirit to walk into Walmart, okay? The Holy Spirit is not for your access to heaven. It's to help you walk out your everyday life. You need supernatural love for someone else. God gave Jesus the Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit is not for access to heaven. It's for calling down heaven to earth. And Peter's explaining this to this group, and and the Gentiles, they know about Jesus, and he's like, you know that guy, you know what he did. All of his works, all of his miracles, everything is because he obeyed God the Father, and he was anointed with the Holy Spirit. Peter continues to preach to this household about Jesus and, and his death and his resurrection and the commissioning of the disciples to go to the ends of the earth, all that stuff. He's preaching this message, and look what happens. Read verses 44 through 46. While Peter is still saying these things, the Holy Spirit fell on all who heard the word. And the believers from among the circumcised who had come with Peter were amazed because the gift of the Holy Spirit was poured out even on the Gentiles. For they were hearing them speaking in tongues and extolling God. It's amazing. It says, while Peter is still preaching, the Holy Spirit fell on who? Who does it say? All. All. Anyone who could hear. And Peter's got a group of friends. He's got his squad. He's got his entourage there. And they witness. I think there's importance to that because it wasn't just Peter seeing it. There was now Jews that had evidence and could see with their own eyes the Gentiles. Even the Gentiles can now speak in tongues and be filled with the Holy Spirit. I love how God, he doesn't even wait for Peter to be finished speaking to fill people up. Like imagine if that were here and I'm just preaching up here and someone begins to stand up and praise God. I wouldn't be like, please sit sit back down. Please, I'm not done yet. I'm still got my third point. Please be quiet. No, we wouldn't do that, right? And maybe you haven't seen that in a service, but I actually have. There was a service growing up as a kid and all of a sudden we're at the end of the message, we're at the altar call and this lady just stands up. 
And she wasn't loud. She wasn't trying to make a big deal of herself, but she just felt this urging of the Holy Spirit. And so we as a church, we started moving towards praying and seeking the Holy Spirit. And Peter in this moment, he, he doesn't shut it down. He actually embraces it. We're not going to read the last two verses, but if you read it up for yourself, it actually shows he's talking to people. He's like, hey, can we get some water? Let's get these people baptized in water too while we're at it. Salvation, let's just go for the trifecta. Salvation, baptism in the Holy Spirit, baptism in water, all right here. Peter embraces it. And the believers that came with Peter, it says they are shocked because now the gift of the Holy Spirit is on the Gentiles. That, there was now indisputable evidence that the Gentiles could not only receive salvation through Jesus, but the baptism in the Holy Spirit. And oftentimes, people would begin to receive salvation and the baptism at the same time in the New Testament. And that brings me to my last point. It's a very simple point, but we need to remember this. Number three, the baptism is for everyone. I think God shows us this example in the Bible to break down the stigma that the Holy Spirit is for advanced believers, right? You know, sometimes we think we have to be a card-carrying Christian for at least three years before we're even nominated for a baptism in the Holy Spirit. No, that's not what we see right here, right? The Holy Spirit falls on all who heard the word. And the Gentiles, new to the faith, they begin to speak in tongues. I think sometimes we allow doubt to creep into our mind and say, we can't have that yet. Just like maybe you had doubt about whether you could be saved. You said, I've done too many bad things. I've seen some things. It doesn't matter what you've seen or done. You have salvation through the grace of God. It's not by your works. It's by the grace of God. In the same way, you can have the baptism and the Holy Spirit through the grace of God. You don't have to be, you know, you don't have to be a pastor's kid. You don't have to know all the words to how great is our God. You don't know how to, how to open up those communion cups. There, there's no previous, you don't have to know VeggieTales songs, okay? There's nothing, some of these jokes are, are truthful, but they're hurtful, right? But we find, we find things to disqualify us from something that is a gift that God has given us. Here's the qualifications you need to be baptized in the Holy Spirit. Have you confessed that Jesus is Lord? Have you repented of your sin? Have you asked Jesus to come into your heart? You're eligible. It's as simple as that. Any age, anyone can receive the baptism in the Holy Spirit, young, old, anywhere in between. You probably heard before, there's no junior baptism in the Holy Spirit. You can be filled with the Holy Spirit. Now, if you're a parent and you've been filled with the Holy Spirit, I would, I would consider praying and asking God if it's a good time for your children to pray with them to be filled with the Holy Spirit. I don't know if I've shared my story before, but I grew up in a Pentecostal household. And one night, before bed, family devotions, my dad said, you know, we're just going to take a moment and pray with you to receive the Holy Spirit. See, you know, see what happens. Right there in my bedroom, about the age of nine or ten, in my jammies, I was filled with the Holy Spirit. Doesn't have to be some specific crazy thing, right? Now, if your kid is still, you're like, I'm still not sure if he's saved yet, Matt, before we get to the Holy Spirit. You, know, you have to figure that out as a parent, find what's right and appropriate. But it is for everyone. And, and it's not a, a grand moment. It doesn't have to be where you see angels all of a sudden and the wind begins to blow and now you know you've been filled with the Holy Spirit. It doesn't happen like that. Maybe some people have had that experience. I, I didn't. And I'm saying you don't have to in order to be filled with the Spirit. Now, sometimes... It can happen a little odd. And, and when they began to speak in tongues and Peter's praying, you know, that could have been surprising, right? 
That could have been like, whoa, what's happening? Why did we just pivot from this person speaking to this person speaking in tongues? And like I said, as a kid, I, I saw that as an example. I saw that happen for myself. And again, this lady, she was not trying to be loud, or sometimes it's like, okay, you're trying to, you know, put on a show. It's not, it wasn't showful. In fact, the next week, the lady gave her testimony. And she said, I, you know, I didn't mean to do that. I wasn't trying to start something, but I just felt like God bursting something up within me. And that became a chain reaction to multiple other people being filled with the Spirit. And I think it's funny because out of one side of our mouth, we say, well, we believe in God, the God of miracles and great things, and we've seen things in the Bible. But then out of the other side of our mouth, when we see something that's a little weird, we're like, whoa, whoa not that. Like, what was that? That was a little weird. Right? We can't have it both ways. It's ironic sometimes that we feel that way. But if I'm being honest, I would rather have a service where the Spirit of God moves and is a little unpredictable. Now, the, now listen, the Bible says that we do things in order. There's an order. There's not just chaos everywhere happening. That's not what the Bible says in 1 Corinthians. But sometimes I'd rather, instead of a nice, tidy little service that we put a little bow on at the end with a prayer and send you out, sometimes that happens and it's great, but other times it can be a little messy because it's messy when we're seeking after God because we are not perfect people. And this morning, worship team, if you can come join me as we get ready to close here. This morning, I want to give you an opportunity like we did two weeks ago. If you desire to be filled with the Spirit, if you've been seeking that or you've never before, I just want an opportunity to pray with you. And when I was thinking back, we did this a couple weeks ago, I was like, do we need to do this again? I thought, I'd rather do this too many times and risk not having someone come forward than not do enough and miss even if one person, God has a desire for them to be filled with the Holy Spirit. The end of Acts 10, Cornelius' house, people began to speak in the Spirit. Read that last verse with me again. In verse 46, it says, they were hearing them, the Gentiles, speaking in tongues and extolling God. Speaking in tongues and extolling God. Extolling just means singing praises to God. That, that's what we're going to do here to close. Would you stand with me this morning? I hope that this has been helpful for you. I know I've been kind of all over the place. I felt it too, but hopefully it's been helpful. And if you have never prayed or you've been seeking and you haven't yet felt like you've been filled with the Holy Spirit, as a worship team leads us, I'm going to do the same thing we did a few weeks ago. If you want to be prayed for to receive the Spirit, I'm going to ask you to put your feet, your toes up against this platform up here. But this is also time where we just worship God. We're just, we're just going after God, listening to Him, listening to Him, letting Him speak to us. And so if you want to come forward and just worship God and and receive the Spirit and, and do your own thing, you can come forward. These altars are open. This isn't a place where people bring their problems. It's a place where they find their faith in God. They stand out. They step out of their comfort zone and say, I don't care what other people see or what they're looking at. I know for me, I'm going to worship God. Sometimes we just have to get away from the distractions around us. So I'm going to pray a prayer. And if you'd like to be filled with the Spirit, you can come forward. I'd love to pray with you this morning. God, we thank you for today. We thank you that you are here in our midst today. You are here as we, as we seek you, as we pour out our praise on you. And right now, I pray this morning, you would fill your people with the baptism of the Holy Spirit. More than ever before, we need the love of God to move us 
and empower us in this life. We thank you for what you're going to do here today, and we praise you. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for listening to today's message. The Gathering is a place where you can belong to a church that loves you, believe in the God who is bigger than you, and become who God created you to be. For updates, service times, or ways to get involved, check out thegathering.online. And if you enjoyed listening today, consider rating it or sharing it with a friend. We love you. The best is yet to come.